Well, thank you, Tracy. And yes, we uh, want to hear this passage with with uh, fresh ears over this next season. We've got a few weeks to dig into this passage, and uh, we're going to do that in turns. Today, I'm going to do a little bit of an overview and sort of a, an initiation to it. Um, but before we do that, let me pray. God, uh, we... Um, we hope and pray that uh, as we dig into this passage, you will meet us and show us and help us and guide us and reveal to us your wonders, your glory, and take us on a journey, an adventure even, I might pray, uh, to discover something that we haven't uh, before about the riches and the blessing of love. Um, we know that this is what our world needs. It's what it needs right now. And so would you make us um, instruments of your love as we uh, lean into who you are and as we lean into the powerful truths that come from Paul's writing here in 1 Corinthians, um, both today and in the, coming, in the coming days we have together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the, the Beatles famously said, uh, all you need is love, right? And in fact, we just sort of sang that in that last song. Uh, all we need is love is, is what we sang. And um, I think we all generally agree with that statement in a vague kind of a way. But when we try to dig in and understand exactly what that looks like in our day-to-day -day lives, would you agree with me that oftentimes it gets a lot more complicated? And uh, it's hard for us to really grasp questions come to our minds. You know, we start to, to ask a question like, well, it sounds good, but what is love exactly? Um, how do I find the strength to love when, you know, uh, it just seems like uh, too much for me? Where could I get the ability to love that I, that I don't have because I, I seem to run short on love? What happens when I disagree with somebody? Can I love somebody with whom I disagree, even on some fundamental issue? And, you know, furthermore, what happens when the call to love is really costly and I, uh, I find this clash between the call to love and my own kind of care for, for myself and, and uh, my own needs. How, how do I sort that out? All kinds of questions come into play as we open up the topic of love. And in particular, I think it's a really good time for us to talk about love because these questions have been pressed in a number, a number of ways during this season. I was reading the paper the other day, and uh, apparently uh, in 2020, the number of homicides, which you probably would agree with me, is the opposite of love. That's sort of the furthest extent, right, of not loving. The number of homicides, tragically, uh, in the United States went up higher than it ever has before as we went into 2020. Um, and, and uh, of course, don't know what all the factors are in that. But like 5,000 more people um, lost their lives due to homicide uh, during that season. Um, and, then, and then we have sort of the softer versions of not loving that come as it inhabits our disagreements with one another. The pandemic comes upon us and we're wrestling even just to characterize what this is. We don't even fully agree on what, what it is that we're experiencing at times. And then let alone how we're going to move through it and how we might kind of address the issues. We, we see all kinds of opportunities in there for us to, you know, fall short of love. 
Um, and, and within that, then there's a, there's, a, there's a moment of isolation. There's been a long period of isolation that's come as a result of the pandemic. And human nature is such that as we separate from one another, in many cases, you know, the level of suspicion towards one another grows, and sometimes the sense of paranoia increases. You know, we, I, I don't know if you felt this, but, you know, I have, like, you haven't seen somebody for a long time, you just start to wonder, um, you know, what are they thinking? And and then because we're human beings and flawed and, and sinful, you know, we sometimes can go in a negative direction with that. And so uh, that begins to set the isolation has a real impact on us. Um, and then in the midst of this, we've also had this polarization, this political polarization. I was reading an article this week about how uh, I had never heard this term before, but effective, polar, effective polarization, like a- affect your emotions. There's, there's a thing where they're actually looking at how people dislike people on the other side of the political divide. So it's not just that they disagree, but there's a level of dislike that's tangible and, uh, and, 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 and knowable. And so that's, that's coming into the issues that we're, that we're facing. Um, and then, you know, there are other, uh, other questions that our society is asking, um, questions about race and, and how to overcome racism. And uh, you could probably go on a list of, of another hard topics. And in those disagreements, there comes, you know, challenges uh, with relationships and opportunities for us to behave in ways that are, that are not loving. And we're, and we're seeing that. And all of this is taking place against the backdrop of some major shifts that have been taking place in our society. You know, you think about the rise of social media in the last decade plus. And don't you notice this, that on social media, it often seems like people are willing to say things that they probably wouldn't say were they in the same room together if they were in person. And so that has an impact on the way that we're relating to one another. Um, there was a book I read a while back called The Big Sort, in which uh, the author described the way the, the, the tendency for people in the United States to move to places where the, uh, the people there are like them in, in tangible ways, whether it be politically or culturally. And so we're, 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 we're separating ourselves, and that contributes to the sense of divide. And then, of course, um, over the last decade plus, much longer, there's been this ra- rise in secularism in the United States and, 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 and the different uh, ways of looking at the world. Uh, and, and, and that's a complicated topic. But one of the things that results from that is that we lose a sense of common language when we talk about some of the key virtues and values of life. We don't, we don't have common language to talk about what love is because we're coming at the question with very different worldviews. And so that has an impact on us. And all of that is pressing itself into our relationships, the networks of our relationships, whether it be our, our family relationships, immediate family or extended family. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people. And even after the first service, I had another conversation or two with people who say, you know, our family is completely divided. There are portions of our family that just don't even talk to each other anymore. What about friendships? The same thing. Some of you probably have some friendships that have been, you know, seriously injured during this season. And you're struggling. You're struggling to, to maintain and build back bonds that seem to have been, you know, uh, irremediably lost. You can't, you can't bring them back. Um, and, and then there's uh, work s- situation. 
Uh, you've got your associates at work, and you're trying to grapple with tough problems, and you realize that you're coming at these things in a different way, uh, and your neighbors. You know, um, we moved into this building just before the pandemic, and we never had an opportunity, which is what neighbors do, is to, to say hello to the people around us. And uh, then the pandemic hit, so it's been 20 months of us sort of being here, almost like we're hiding under a bushel. And so what we would love to do is just be able to go out and say, hey, we're here, um, we, we, we're present, and we welcome you to our community, welcome you to, to build relationship with us. We want to know who we are, et cetera, et cetera. So all of this has pressed in upon our networks and the relationships that we have. And there's a great deal of pain associated with that. Um, you know, I was talking to a neighbor this week and was just sharing the, the divisions in his family. You could just feel the sense of pain at being rejected. Sometimes even being rejected for something that somebody else is assuming about you. That was sort of the story that he was sharing. Um, that wasn't even true, but he had no way, no recourse of fixing it. So there's a great amount of loss, a tremendous loss. Um, and I don't have, you know, visions that somehow I might be able to stand up here and say something that would fix all of that. Uh, in, in this life, we really, we really have to focus on ourselves, right? And who, who we are, how we move through relationships, and what we can do to bring about change and healing where there's brokenness and fractured living. And when I come to these words in 1 Corinthians 13... Um, and read them in the, in the midst of this context that we are in. And thinking about the relationships in my own life that maybe aren't what I would have hoped that they would be. Or their areas of brokenness. When I, when I think about all of that, when I think about the people that I love and the friends that I know and the people in this congregation and the experiences that they're having. This passage comes to me like a cool drink of water. It is amazing. It has the ability to cut through all of the noise and bring me back to center, to what really matters. And that gives me hope because then I have a way to move forward. And I, I pray that over the course of these weeks, as we study this text together, that you will have an experience of being brought back to center, of finding some hope and some possibility in the midst of the brokenness and the fractured relationships that you may be experiencing. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then skipping down to the very end of the passage. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Well, we have a great opportunity over these next five weeks to dive into this beautiful text. And we're going to get into some of the details and the particulars. The passage talks about love as relates to patience, truthfulness, collaboration, etc. And we're going to take a week on each of some of these virtues, these, these elements of the text. But today I want to give us a kind of an overview or at least remind us of the larger framework. And I want to speak about this under the theme, really, the primacy of love. The primacy of love. 
And, and then as we get into that, I'd love for us to, to move, to start to progress into growing and developing in our understanding. And we're going to talk about the way of love. But let's, let's start with the primacy of love. We'll get into the text here in just a minute. I'm not going to spend a long time giving you the background, but I want to give you some of it. What Paul is saying in the first three verses, and that's really what we're going to focus on today, is that love is more important than speaking in tongues, which, is, which was an element of their gathering. Um, prophecy, having insight about spiritual mysteries and uh, knowledge, um, faith itself, and uh, extreme acts of generosity, giving love is greater than giving everything away, interesting, and even giving up your own life. Um, and this is the striking thing to me as I was sitting down with this passage this week, is that those are all good things, right? Those are all good things. It would be easy if Paul said, you know, love is better than murder. We would, oh yeah, we know that. But, but how, do we, how do we put together what he is saying here? Um, and to me, this is really part of the power of this text. So let me give you a little bit of background. Um, the, Corinthian, the Corinthians to which this letter is written... They're a group of Christians living in the city of Corinth. And, and they're very much uh, a group of ordinary and troubled people. If we were to go back to chapter 1 and read through the, the letter to the first Corinthians, we would discover that they had divisions in their midst. Okay? So I, you, as you hear this, you should feel like, okay, they're not so different from us. They're not so different from, they don't struggle, you know, their struggles are very similar to our struggles. They had divisions. They had scandal. There was one man who was sleeping with his stepmom. They had confusion about how to interact with the world around them and all the various forces at work and how to make sense of it and how to honor their values and their virtues in the the middle of all that. So they were confused about it. And they had problems related to their worship gatherings. Um, They were a real community with real people uh, with real problems just, just like us. And so what Paul is saying here when he talks about love um, is written to a people who are living in the real world, just like you are and just like, just like I am. And over the course of the letter, Paul addresses each of the issues. Uh, and in this current section, he's speaking in particular to how they gather and worship. Um, and, and this is the part that, that really speaks to me on some level, is that you know he's talking about all the wonderful and beautiful things that occur within their worship gathering. And I loved how Miguel was leading us in worship today, um, using songs from different, with different languages. Um, I love that because it reminds us of the beautiful diversity of the worship gathering. And I'm so thankful to be in a place where we can see that um, day to day in our community as well. And, um, and he's really elevating in chapter 12 uh, how we really need to have all the, the gifts of the community brought to the fore. You know, um, some churches, you know, well, I, I hate, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to be sound judgmental. Uh, I just want to say what we're doing. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy just to have the, the same people up front. And you notice that when, we, when we're in worship, we're, we're trying to bring a variety of people uh, up front all the time. And that takes more work, but it's beautiful because what it does is it, it, ref, it shows, it reflects the community that we are, the community of faith. And so Paul's elevating all. He's saying it's all so good. And, and some of the people are going to have certain gifts and some of the people are 
have other gifts. Some people have gifts of prayer. Some people have gifts of faith. Some people are going to have deep understanding. Some people are going to be willing to be generous and, and give of themselves. And it's all beautiful, Paul says. They're all good things. He elevates all of that. But then he makes this incredible, power, incredibly powerful statement. He says, without love, it's all nothing. Without love, it's all nothing. Love is primary. And this is sort of the subtlety of love when we really get into it. Again, uh, on one level, love can be so simple like a Beatles tune. And on another level, it, it, it's, it's like dealing with string theory in physics, right? It's, it's so complicated, so sometimes overwhelming. And what Paul's getting into here is that, is that you can do things... Um, that are good without there being love within. So, so acts, true acts of love have that sort of combination of the intention and the motive within and the outward action. And, and, and to love is to bring both of this, those together. If you feel like that's impossible, you know, join the club. It is sometimes impossible to live in that way. And thank God that we don't always, you know, look at each other and understand all the motives and intentions within each other while we're, we're doing things that we, we might know to be good. But in that moment, we're struggling to do it in a loving way. Right? There's, there's some curtain that keeps us from seeing all those inner workings with each other. Otherwise, it would be completely overwhelming. It would be overwhelming. And yet, God is calling us into something powerful and beautiful and wonderful, which is the bringing together of our actions and our motives, aligning them so what we're doing and the reason behind it is loving together. And that's what he's calling out in this passage. And this is why I find it, you know, so challenging to read a passage like this, really, with your, with your eyes open and to think about it. Because it begins, to, it begins to sort of peel back the layers. And you might say, we probably all would say, yeah, I'm a loving person. I want to be a loving person. That's my goal in life. But when we really dig into it, we discover that love is something more wonderful and beautiful than we've been able yet to inhabit, especially in our own strength. You know, my journey with, with love reflects this level of complexity. Um, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I've been pastoring now for almost 23 years, I think it is. Um, I'm, I'm married, and I've been married um, next week. will be 27 years that we'll, be, we'll have been married. Um, we have four children. So you look at me and you say, I should be an expert in love. I should be an expert in love at this point in my life, right? And honestly, you know, full disclosure, I am absolutely not. And how do I know that I'm not an expert in love? Because I read verses 4 through 7. Look at those with me. This is the test, right? 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Oops. When did I last lose my patience, right? This week. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Oops and oops. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Oops. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And then this, this gets me. Love bears all things. Oops. 
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, in some ways, I guess I've made my, my life's mission the pursuit of love. And sometimes I look at myself and I go, what have you been doing with your life? And maybe you feel that way sometimes too. Because love is so simple and yet so complicated. So overwhelming. But that's part of what makes it so rich and awesome. It's why it it makes this pursuit that we're on over these next five weeks so essential. Because love is primary. It's primary. I'm so glad that other people struggle with love. C.S. Lewis, to love at all is to be vulnerable. He's bringing out another layer of the complexity. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. (laughs) So we do. Avoid all entanglements. Yep. Yep. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. Ouch. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Mm. It's going to be lost. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. How much have we, how much have we been isolated you know, even, even if our own tendency was to, to lock ourselves away in the closet, lock away our love in the closet, now it's been locked away because of, you know, the last 20 months. You, so it's been a combination of both our own and then the forces around us. Jackie Hill Perry, we, we're commanded to love. It's not optional. It's not up for debate. We can't play favorites. Choosing to love one and withholding it from another. To do it is hard sometimes. I'm pretty sure that's an understatement. Embarrassing even. It humbles you, makes you have to behave like God. And that's the point. And then one more. This is from Mother Teresa. And so it is very important for us to realize that love to be true has to hurt. I don't, I don't like those words. Um as I was reflecting on them and thinking about some of the hardest relationships in my life and realizing those are the places where there is potential for love, the greatest potential. I must be willing to give whatever it takes not to harm other people and, in fact, to do good to them. This requires that I will be willing to give until it hurts. Otherwise, there is no true love in me and I bring injustice, not peace to those around me. And what I love about what Mother Teresa is pressing into here, it's also the power of love to change the world. Because there's an element of love that is for us and and makes us healthy um, and honors God. And then there's an element of love that, that actually brings about change in the world. And Mother Teresa obviously pressed into that with her life. And, and then 
as we're seeing this is one of the beautiful things that can happen. And doesn't our world, just because of all the things that I listed as I was starting this sermon, doesn't our world desperately need a people who can love even when it hurts? I think so. So what do we do? This is our predicament. Love is primary. That's clear. All these other good things that we're involved in, if they're absent love, then they're nothing, Paul says. Love is primary. And yet love is difficult. Love is difficult. Probably harder than we thought it was when we first set out. You listen to the Beatles too and you're like, oh, I could do that, right? And then you get into real life. And here's the amazing thing about the Bible. Actually, here's the amazing thing about God. Is that when you come to that place where you're at the end of yourself... And you don't know how you could possibly step into the thing that you're being called to step into. Because you've exhausted all of your own resources, wisdom, ingenuity, skill, intelligence. At that moment, when you are at the end of your rope, that's when God can step in. That's when God can step in. fact. It's not just that he can step in. That's when he wants to step in. This is the beautiful thing about this living God who is with us, whom we're learning about, um, is that he calls us to these amazing things. He calls us to grow into these amazing creatures, these, these people who, who do things like love and all the other good things that we were talking about in that text. But they... He calls us to go on that. But then he doesn't say, he doesn't say, here's what you're supposed to do. Now go have fun. He comes along the side, he says, he puts his arm around us, essentially, he says, look, and let me help you, let me help you walk into this incredible blessing that I've called you to. I'm in your corner, he says. I'm rooting for you. I'm with you. I'm present in your life. In fact, he says, I love you. And I love you so much that I'm going to love you into a new place. I'm going to love you into growth. That's what God does. And to me, that's one of the, the, the best good newses of all the good newses, right? Because I know, I've tried. I tried to love when I felt like I couldn't love anymore. And I felt that feeling of emptiness. And maybe you felt that too. When you think about your family that's broken apart, and you don't want to run away, just give up on them. You want to keep loving, and yet you're at the end of yourself. You've got, you've got nothing to bring, okay? Or in your family or your church community or whatever it is, your workplace. God wants to help us get through to a special, actually to the way of love. Let's talk about that. The way of love. What is love in God's eyes? What is God's way of love? How does he help us? You find God's definition of love on the lips of Jesus. And so here it is in all of its glory. Jesus says, John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
greater love. So, so he's giving us kind of what is the greatest love? This is the greatest love. And so all other loves are derivative of that love. They are subsets of that love. They are smaller versions of that love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then he proceeds to do exactly that, right? This is right before he goes to the cross and offers himself an atoning sacrifice for his friends. So it turns out that the definition of love has a lot to do with sacrifice. It's that we sacrifice for others. And what I love about this definition that Jesus gives us is that um, it contains both that inward and that outward part. I think sometimes we want to hive off those two pieces and come up with a thin kind of love. We just want to do a bunch of acts of service and say that that's love when there's not the heart inside. Or um, sometimes we just want to kind of discuss and have a conversation about what love is, is supposed to be like without any action. And you see in the person of Jesus, in the, in the incarnation, the coming of Jesus, you see the, the melding together of the inward and the outward. It is both an inward condition that has been transformed and it's an outward action. And of course, you know, this is, this is tall, this is high stuff. So I just want to, as, as even I'm speaking, I want to make sure this is really, really important. Um, that, that, that you don't sit here feeling like that that's so impossible, I can't even begin to, to think about that. Like if you're a reflective person, you really think, that seems completely overwhelming. What I just said seems overwhelming. And what God is saying is, look, I'm not asking you to be perfect in this, although one day he will make us perfect. I'm asking you to go with me on a journey of growth. And I am the strength and the energy and the ability that will, will grow up inside of you to make you more loving. And why can we say that? Why do we go to God as the one who can be the source of love? And the answer is because, in fact, the Bible says God is love. God is love. We read that already this morning in our scripture, the first scripture that we read. And here's the thing that's so amazing to me about how this works itself out. Um, one of the unique things about the Christian faith is that we have this idea that there's God the Father, there's God, there's God the Son, and, and there's God the Holy Spirit. We call this, right, the Trinity. And so God exists in three persons, which is a hard thing to get your mind around. But one of the most significant ways that helps me process through the Trinity is understand that without the Trinity, God would not exist in community, and so he'd be deficient of community. But since he's not deficient of community, since he exists in community already without any ever creating, creating human beings, he already exists in community, perfect community, then perfect love exists in God already. And that's why he can become the source of our love, of his love, and, and, so the, the, and of our love. The thing is, is what God is doing is in this, this community of perfect love, he's inviting us in through the person of Jesus Christ to take part in the love that's already present within the Trinity. So God is love. 1 John 4, 7. We already read a, a portion of this. Beloved, let us love one another. You can see the melding together of these, this idea that God is the source of love. So you're at your wit's end. You don't know how to love in this really difficult moment. Where do you go? 
God is the source of love. Listen, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. There it is. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. There's that dependency peace. In this is love, not that we have loved, so it doesn't come from us ultimately. We're not the source of love, the kind of love we're talking about today, that, that, that perfect love. Um, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. He's the initiator and sent his son to be the propitiation, big word, which means atoning sacrifice, which means reconciliation to God for our sin, atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we can be brought into that beautiful Trinitarian community of perfect love and we can be resourced in that community to go out into a hurting, broken, fallen world and love people who need to be loved. Whether that be our family, our friends, people we work with, our neighbors, church members, church friends, all of it. We can be resourced in God because he is love. So it's not hopeless. Every, it, whenever you hear about real, genuine, true, perfect love, your heart has to leap inside of you. Yes, I want that. I want that in my life. I want to be that kind of person. But then you, you know, the reality of, of life hits and sometimes you give up hope even, and you start to pursue other things in life because you just, you just don't. And here's God saying, no, you can hope again. It's possible with me. What's impossible with you is possible with me. So we're going to get into some of the details and the specifics about, you know, love as it relates to patience and collaboration. Uh, Pastor Paul is going to pe- preach on uh, patience next week. I'm glad I don't have to preach the sermon on patience. Um, it's good. So um, uh, collaboration, truthfulness, endurance, um, and, and, and but for now, I just want to leave you with this. I want to leave you, because this is sort of the, the journey forward um, that God is inviting us into right now. I want you to take a page from the life of Jesus. Like, as I said, you know, in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you have the perfect love manifesting itself in their relationship. And Jesus lived um, a human life. He still exists um, in human form. He knows what it be- means to be a, a person. He, he knows the, the pain and the suffering that comes with living in a fallen, broken world. And I want you to notice how Jesus finds the power and the strength to live the life that we read about in the New Testament, which is, you know, of all the lives lived in the history of the world, a life of love. This is from the Gospel of John, and these are the words of Jesus of himself. He says, the son, referring to himself, can do nothing of himself. 
So here's Jesus, the man who never, you know, he said the right thing all the time, who's the, the example of love for us, saying that, that he is only able to do what he's doing by dependency upon God the Father. That's the key. And that's the first step to learning to love beyond where you are now. I can do of my own self, I can of my own self do nothing, he says. I am come not to do my own will. My teaching is not mine. These are, he just, it's, it's like a drumbeat throughout the gospel of John. I am not come of myself. I didn't come of myself. I'm dependent upon God. I do nothing of myself. The words that I say, I speak not from myself. Do you get it? Do you get the level of dependency that Jesus has upon the Father to accomplish the things that he's called to do? And the number one, the primary thing being to love. And so if you want to step in, the first step is to begin or to go to a new level of dependency upon God. And that's, that's our homework for this week as we start this journey, to depend to be observant, to notice those times when I am at my end and I've got no more love, and to, to, to see the power and the beauty of that moment to, to be an opportunity for the living God to work mightily in your life. That is the beginning point, to be sourced in God. And of course, we are grateful that that's even possible because of the work of Jesus on the cross. That on that cross, he gave himself an atoning sacrifice. So that thing, that sin that separates us from God is, is taken care of. So we can be in an open and, and ongoing and vibrant and living, vital relationship with the living God. So God, would you meet us this week as we seek to perhaps in a fresh and new way, depend on you in the hopes that we might love. And right now you're bringing to mind some of the people in our lives that are hard to love in this moment. That we might love those people with a supernatural love. That we might go beyond and love people maybe we don't even know yet because you're calling us to be agents of change and healing in a broken, sinful world. God, teach us to love and fill us with your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.